Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things you can't make faces at me. <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things art related. This is episode 108, Little Rowan Redhead, recorded on September 22nd, 2020. My name is Julie, Faye Fan. Balzer. And with me is my co-host, Eileen Shoebalzer. Hi, Mom. Hi, Julie. How are you? I'm all right. The quarantine thing is getting, getting old. old. Oh, the we only, daylight... only got like a year and a half left. Yeah, the daylight is starting to fade earlier. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The temperature is getting a little cooler. So... So you're in a really good mood. No, I'm in a good mood, but you have to make a little more effort to be positive. You do. And this is actually related to this video that I posted today, which I know we have talked about, which is about art as therapy. And I really believe in it. So I'm going to tell everybody out there who's listening, even if it's just to grab a piece of paper right now while you're listening to this podcast and doodle on it, unless you're driving, please do not do this if you're driving. But otherwise, know that just a little bit of art really can uh, make you feel better and just like zen you out. Um, I do want to mention before we start that my epic scanning cut stencil class is uh, in the is out. It's available. It's happening. And the reviews are great. People are loving it. I've seen some of the stencils that people have made online. They're absolutely blowing my mind and inspiring me. And you too can make amazing stencils with your scanning cut, even if you're a beginner. So you can check that out on my website at ballsdesigns.com. Um, the monthly membership is going great. The uh, September membership project included how to make this really tiny art journal, which is a really fun project. Uh, so you should check that out. It's just $5.99 a month. And I appreciate, as always, all of the support that you give to my small business, especially during these difficult um, financial times. The last class I want to mention is my um, gelatin printing class. I do have a year of gelatin printing coming up in 2020. 21. And in the meantime, I have a live online gelatin printing class about purposeful printing, which is going to be, it was supposed to be an in-person class and it has transformed into a um, live online class. So you can check all of that out at juliebalzer.com. So those are kind of like the big things that are going on. Um, and as always, if you'd like to help the show, you can post about this episode on social media or just share it with a friend. And mom told me to say that we are now on Spotify. So tell your friends that they can find us on Spotify, right? Right. So mom, we're moving things around in the show because we're flexible like that. Uh, so you have a recommendation this week and we're going to do it right now, right at the top of the show. What are you recommending? This is crazy. I'm so disoriented. I know. It's insane, right. you guys. This is going to sound peculiar at first. It's, you go to a website called crochetcoralreef.org and here's what it is. It was originally a project an artistic response to climate change and oceanic plastic trash. And these two women started crocheting these fantastic shapes that were meant to resemble coral reefs. And they've had exhibits all over the world, including the Museum of Arts and Design in New York. And 
There's a TED Talk there if you want to listen to it about this. It's where science and art meet. There's mathematics involved. There's community practice, climate change, all kinds of interesting things about it. And then other people have started to create satellite reefs, and they'll connect with you and tell you how you can make satellite reefs, you and some friends. Apparently, I'm not a crocheter, but crochet is not complex, even not as complex as knitting. So it's the sort of thing that you could participate in without, you know, a lifetime of practice. And there are images on this website. It's just a fascinating and interesting thing. So that's what I'm recommending. Crochetcoralreef.org. That sounds awesome. And yes, I've tried knitting and crochet. Crochet is way easier than knitting. Um, so my recommendation is something that sounds stupid, but is awesome, which is it's a laptop stand. Hey, Julie, why would anyone need a laptop stand? Well, I'm so <laughs> glad that you asked me. So I have been using a shoebox to put my laptop on for all of my Zoom um, live classes that I've been teaching. And I teach a lot of Zoom classes. I would say I teach between like four to ten, maybe more than that, Zoom classes uh, every single month. So uh, the shoebox has been great. It's been very loyal to me. It was a very inexpensive, AKA free choice, but I was uh, on Instagram on the day that I found out that the likelihood is that due to, you know, the vaccine and the way the vaccines work, we probably won't have enough vaccine in uh, the US and in, the, the, in people's bodies for us to like stop social distancing until 2022. So on a very depressing day when I realized that I was going to be in my house for like a year and a half, uh, I saw on Instagram somebody doing a live, showing their live Zoom setup, uh, and they had a laptop stand. And I was like, I don't want this shoebox anymore. I want that. That will make all my problems for the next year and a half so much better. Whoa. Because, no, seriously, like if this is my business and this is what I'm going to be doing, I want a laptop stand. So basically, let me try to explain what it is. It is... Uh, a piece of metal that is the base and then there are two little legs that stick up and then there's a base that the laptop sits on and you can tilt the top part that the laptop sits on so that the angle of the camera and the keyboard are whatever you want and it raises it off your surface so that the laptop is in fact at face level instead of at double chin level and you have then space on your desk, unlike the shoebox, in which you can put things. I placed two paintbrushes underneath it immediately because it just seems so right. Uh, <laughs> and it is a stupid thing, but it is making me so very happy. And I have pet it multiple times since it came in the house earlier this week. I'm really enjoying it. And if you've taken any of my live on classes, online classes, or if you remember, then you have seen it in use. So... That's pretty exciting. Giving up the shoebox. <laughs> what have you done with the shoebox? I'm afraid to tell you that the shoebox has been put on a shelf because I did not throw it away because I thought I might have to draft this shoebox into use for some other project. And it is a valuable commodity since uh, ain't nobody buying shoes around here anytime soon. So those are our exciting recommendations at the beginning of the podcast. Woohoo! I think.
think you'll have to post a photo <laughs> on the on this announcement. I'll make a note. Showing us. I'll make a note. It's post, a far cry. It's a far cry photo. from when you originally did your video. Remember with I the bananas? I do remember with and chopsticks the, and the bananas and the whole thing. You know, the fanciness of me at this point is amazing. Who knew 50 bucks could change your life? So let's get to today's guest. Our guest today is Rowan Sivia, a.k.a. Little Rowan Redhead. So Rowan is a New Zealand-born, Sydney-based printmaker, painter, avid crafter, and educator. As a largely self-taught artist, Rowan believes in the power of a daily artistic practice, risk-taking, and creative play. She is greatly inspired by Australian flora and fauna, which frequently features in her work, but she is also drawn to color and pattern. May I say particularly the color red? Yes. <laughs> Guilty. Uh, so you you really create such a wide variety of prints and uh, your growth as a printmaker, which I've been so lucky to watch through Instagram over the past few years is sort of astounding. So will you take us sort of to the beginning of how you picked up printmaking? Um, well, you're a part of that, Julie. Ooh. Uh, because uh, I know. Uh, well, so, I mean, it goes back quite a long way, even before I um, I found you. Um, I was always really into printmaking at high school, um, really enjoyed it. And my mum and dad also were a big influence on that. They always had a lot of art books around. And, and so I really liked Japanese uh, woodcut printing um, and uh, so that kind of influenced my art at high school but then I got told as so many students do that there was no money and no career in art um, so didn't pursue that but was always crafty in the background um, I came back to printmaking when I was nesting with my first child and then uh, my second child became very, very sick, so I spent a lot more time um, art journaling and so forth and discovering all sorts of people online because I didn't have anything else to do in hospital. And, and one of those people I discovered was yourself, Julie. And I'm so glad I did because you really helped me in a very hard um, in a very hard at a very hard time. So when I was looking at your stuff, of course, I came across Carve December and it all kicked off from there. That first Carve December, it must have been maybe 2014, I think. And I've kind of been carving ever since. And it's addictive. It is. It's totally <laughs> addictive. And actually, you know, it's funny because I actually I posted a video today where I was talking about being creative as self-care. And I think like as I your story it. illustrates, yeah, 100 percent that there I, I always say like one of the first things that Steve, my partner, um, recognized about me is like if I were gr I was grumpy, he very early on in our relationship would be like, why don't you go make something? Right. Absolutely. I have said exactly the same thing to all of my students. I've said my husband can always tell if I'm in a bad place and it's because I haven't made anything for a couple of days. And uh, and yes, the, the, uh, the advice he always gives to me is, look, just go away for an hour or two. We'll see you soon. Yeah. 
It's amazing. So it's like goodness it's, for partners who recognize it. Yeah. Hooray for that. But it feels a little bit like the adult version of being put in a bath to chill out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do. So you have I do been, that too. I was going to say, so you have been a participant in Carve December for so many years. Um, how has that changed and evolved for you over time? Um. Do you know what? I do find that each year there's a bit more pressure. Mm, I totally agree <laughs> I think, with you. I, <laughs> Performance because, pressure. Because, um, yeah, I think in the past it's been just play and, you know, just a teeny bit and a, a teeny stamp. It just might be just really little and whatever time I can afford to it. And increasingly over over the years it's become more of a uh, an event on my horizon and i need a bit more planning to go into it um, because also as my business has grown december has become busier as yeah. well um so trying to carve out that time not just the carving out of time but to make what i make more i don't know more impressive. I mean, in the end, it's ridiculous. It's the only, it's only the pressure that I put on myself. Um, and I think because people have got to know me as a printmaker and all th also through Carve December, um, I, I feel that pressure to perform, I suppose. But you must feel the same. I do. And I think it's totally normal. I mean, so first of all, for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what Carve December is, let's just back up for one second. So Carve December is an annual challenge in December. Yes, December, the busiest month when everybody has no time. Um, <laughs> in which the challenge is to carve a stamp every single day and to print it and to post it uh on instagram using the hashtag carp december and i always say and i think it's true like if you make it all 31 days fantastic but if you make it like two or three that's fantastic too and everybody's welcome to join whether you're super beginner or really advanced and i will say like in the beginning when i started it most of the people who joined were fairly new carvers and now i feel like i see a lot of people who are very accomplished printmakers joining in and like you know I mean you probably have this too but one of the things that changes as you become a better carver is that your designs become more ambitious and mm. as you become a more experienced printmaker the kind of prints you want to create become more ambitious with you know layers and registration mm. and all this kind of stuff and it makes that sort of daily quick something difficult because at least I get stuck between like should I just do something like quick and fast and easy that's not that impressive but I'm like filling the brief do you know what I mean or do I need to like <laughs> do something major and amazing that just like it's like so cool and you know and it's Which I, I mean it's ridiculous all day yeah <laughs> Yeah, and it's also ridiculous because and then you're not happy with it, <laughs> and you're not happy with it, and you're killing you, and like, and the whole thing, and I think it's all ridiculous because in the end, like, the point of Carve December has always been just <laughs> to have fun and get out your stuff and play and remind people that stamp carving is easy and fun. Yeah, so it's sort yep. of ridiculous, absolutely. And yet, it at the is. same time, uh, some of my favorite stamps <laughs> are the ones that I've created over various Decembers. I completely concur. Um, I was about to say that sometimes I go back and mine that month, you know. Um, I go back and look at what I created in December and sometimes take ideas from that or even just the, the very stamp and use it 
in the lead up to Christmas or because often it, that you know you do end up I often end up with a lot of Christmas themed stamps which I then use in my um, market stall greeting cards um, in the lead up to Christmas so it's quite useful for me in that I can develop new products in that month as well um, but Yes, it is funny, that pressure. I mean, I do, I would like to say to anyone who's listening and who is interested in Carb December, just don't be overwhelmed. There's a whole range of different um, levels of proficiency uh, at play in Carb December. So just, just join in. We're just, everyone's very positive and supportive so it's a it's a lovely thing to do i will say that too which is very nice the community is great people leave tons of comments and likes and all that kind of stuff and it's so inspirational to see what people do and i will just tell people that uh carve december started last year less than a week after my son was born and i managed <laughs> to do all 31 days and but i just kept I know, I know my <laughs> i kept my ambition low so like all of my stamps were about an inch big which is totally completely fine and I love a lot of what I made and more importantly I think you know I had some pretty bad PPD um, right after he was born and I think the carving was incredibly therapeutic and helped me through like every day knowing that I was going to spend like 15 or 20 minutes just carving a stamp printing it and posting it and honestly that's how long it took each day it was just like 15 to 20 minutes that's all the time I spent yeah and I I don't know about you but I mean I I, I have a class that I teach here in, in Sydney and I call it um, Zen and the Art of Block Printing because for me it really is a very Zen activity, the, the carving, you're just focusing and breathing and you're very present and so it's quite a, a, yes, it's a lovely mindful activity. I agree. I love the act of carving. I think it's one of those things that time evaporates when I'm doing it and I suddenly look up and realize I need to roll my neck around, roll my shoulders, roll yeah. my wrist, you know, <laughs> relax because I've just been so intent on what I'm doing. Mm. So mm. tell tell me a little bit about um, your business. Mm. So, uh, oh, the business. <laughs> uh, business is the cost we pay for <laughs> wanting to uh, have a life in art, I think. Um, so I actually don't have a background in, uh, I, I didn't go to art school. I, I have a PhD in world politics. <laughs> and uh, so I came, came back to art in a type, a, a kind of therapeutic way. But increasingly, I found the thought of going back to university teaching. I just felt nauseous. I hated it. So eventually, I was doing more and more art. And eventually, I sat down with my husband one night and said, you know, I kind of, I want to do this. This is what I want to do all the time. It makes me happy. I know that the work that I'm making for other people makes them happy. Um, it feels really good. And fortunately, it was, we were in a financial position where we could make that happen. Um, so I started, I think I made, uh, I put little Rowan Redhead out there in 2016 and started with um, oh, just a very little local showcase here of some of my work and started from the ground on up so started in very basic um, markets with my little tiny market stall and um, hand printed tablecloth and very basic setup 
And over time, um, I, obviously, I developed a little, I had an Etsy store to begin with. I still have an Etsy store, but I have a website as well. Um, I've done done the hard yards in terms of doing a lot of different uh, markets and increasingly over time got into um, better and better design markets uh, with people who are more our crowd, who are more interested in what I have to, 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 um, to put out there. Um, and then part and parcel of that business also is 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 the teaching because I really uh, believe in the therapeutic side of art and I really want to share that with other people and it, it makes it brings a lot of joy to me to see people have that light bulb moment where they think oh I can do this and um, so so that's kind of the, the, the different prongs I suppose of of the business is, is making the art but also teaching the art. So let's talk a little bit for just two seconds about a couple of things you said. So first, I'm very interested, what kind of products do you offer? Is it um, prints, greeting cards, t-shirts, tablecloths, table runners? Like what, what are we talking about? Mm. So I sell my original lino prints. Uh, I also sell greeting cards hand printed but I also I, I'm, I'm a bit like you I have uh, arts and crafts ADHD so I don't just stick to <laughs> printmaking I also like collage and um, I do a lot of watercolors I do acrylics as well so I also sell um, art prints of my watercolors uh, I also sell hand carved stamp sets uh, so my stamps, but I carve up a whole bunch and sell those. Um, I'm so interested uh, in like how you even determine pricing for something like hand carved stamps. <laughs> oh, well, let me just say I'm probably under <laughs> underpricing them, Julie. But um, but they're quite you know they're a nice little thing to have, and people really get excited by them. I think that's I think true. It's kind of trying to tap into that feeling that people want to make things themselves. There's something so lovely about creating, and maybe people don't feel quite comfortable carving their own stamp, but they'll be quite happy to get back into the printing of, um, you know, I try to say, you know, you can print this on fabric, you can print this on paper, um, and they just really enjoy it. That's I think it's tapping into that childhood love of stamps <laughs> you know i also sometimes think like some some hand carved stamps are so beautiful i almost think of them like wooden chops that you almost co can collect mm -hmm. as just an art object mm. yeah because it's yep. beautiful i agree so I sometimes love my blocks more than the prints <laughs> <laughs> that does happen sometimes which i always think is hilarious it's like it somehow didn't convert the block itself is beautiful the print not quite <laughs> Um, so, you know, I think it's interesting, the whole thing about having art ADHD, because, you know, I, I've listened to a lot of things and certainly every business, um, conversation is something about the idea of niching down, right? Which is that you should mm -hmm. do like something very mm -hmm. specific and small <laughs> so that that is like the one thing that you are known for. So like, if you're a nutritionist, it's like, you are not just a nutritionist for everyone. You are a nutritionist for women over 40 who are vegans who have cats and live in California like that it's that specific and that that's the way to be successful and I have so much trouble with that um 
partially because I don't know a lot of vegan women in California. No, just partially because I, I just have so much trouble narrowing down what I'm interested in because I think there are so many different forms of art and creativity that are fascinating. Julie, if you and I were in the same town, we would be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. And then we because could tell everybody that I we are exactly... busy creating. <laughs> well, in those moments, you know, when when you, you can go have a coffee and, and talk about create uh, creative arts, right? Um, however, I'm exactly the same. I'm exactly the same. I have, I actually have... Um, two business mentors who are also crafty people and they've got experience in this and so every now and then I have a bit of a, a, a Skype call with them and talk about where the business is going and over the years the same conversation I always end up talking to them about is but but am I too broad should I be more what should I be focusing on? Should I be focusing on my printmaking? Should I be focusing on the watercolors? Should I have a separate Instagram account between the watercolors and the and the printmaking? Um, and I really want to go down this route. Now I'm doing a bit more digital art. Should I be, what about licensing? What should I be doing? <laughs> and in the end, they said, you know what? The fact that you're so dynamic and flexible and, and you, you follow certain things down, certain rabbit holes, kind of makes you you. If you were to only focus on one thing, I don't know, like embrace, embrace that, that, um, that broad um, scope of all those things that you love. I think people respond to that. I, ser I certainly have responded to that with you, Julie, that that's always been inspiring to me that I always go, oh, wow, she's doing that now. That's really cool. <laughs> how do I learn how to do that? Well, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> There are people who stumble on one thing. Okay, it's birds. And then everything they do is birds. And they don't seem to grow beyond the birds because they're letting them they're letting the market decide where they should go. And I think that it it stunts your growth as an artist if you do what you think people want instead of follow what you're interested in. Okay, I so agree. And I would also say that I really believe that one of the things that makes people interesting is when they can basically do synthesis, like pulling something from one place that seems unrelated into something from another place and sort of mixing them together. Um, and what I think is so interesting is that one of the things, so I've been reading a lot of business magazines lately because I've been thinking about my business a lot. And, and I read an article recently that said one of the things that like this enormous number of CEOs have in common is that they just consume books and not business books, but like books of all kinds because they're interested in all sorts of different things. Right. And I was like, why is that a model that is desirable, you know what I mean, for a CEO, but somehow for like these small businesses, you're just supposed to be like as small and narrow as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. Because I think that, that that makes your work boring when it's not getting informed by lots of other techniques mm -hmm. and ideas. I mean, the funniest thing is like the very first stamp carving thing I fell in love with was actually I, an idea I wanted to do screen printing, but I couldn't figure out how to do it in my apartment. So I was like, oh, but I bet I can carve stamps that look like screen printing, right? Mm -hmm. Which is 
you know, relational there. And like there's been plenty of other stuff like that has happened. And I would also argue, if I may, not that I know who I'm arguing with since we all agree, but anyway, that <laughs> one of the things seriously <laughs> agree. I just like to argue um, is that one of the things that I think keeps you um, growing is the desire to learn new things and to sort of always be a beginner and to always be interested. And, you know, I got some advice from someone who did a portfolio review for me a couple of years ago who said you need to take the craft stuff out of your feed um, so that it's not confused with the fine art stuff because people won't take you seriously as a fine artist if you have these craft things, which I thought was really um, sexist in the end because if if men so associated with women, yeah, because if men do what we call paper crafting or quilting or any of these things that are considered crafty, it's still considered an, a fine art form. Right. Mm -hmm. But when women do it, it somehow becomes this like crafty lesser thing, which I which I I mean, I can fight the system all I want. But like that's just the way that somehow things get viewed. Like I have several times, mom, you've heard this diatribe a million times in the middle of a contemporary art museum somewhere, which is you see (laughs) things that look like craft projects. And if the artist on the label is a man, it's. I would say maybe 98% of the time that's the case. It's unusual somehow for the woman, for there to be a woman's name on the label. And the label often says like, you know, oh, this artist uses craft techniques as a way of indicating blah, 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 blah. So I don't know. I get, anyway, so that just, that's just a pet peeve that annoys yeah. me. I'll just say. Um, anyway, let's get into. No, um, no, no. I, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was supposed to say something on that because yeah. um, I find I have, I have, found that myself that um when i'm describing that okay so what's the difference between stamping and block printing Mm. nothing but if you use the word stamp then it implies more craft like crafty or not kind of fine arty enough whereas block printing is a kind of an art form but really it's the same thing it really annoys me it's absolutely (laughs) but i do find that 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 informs, say, you know, the, the, the way that I entitle a workshop, um, which is ridiculous. It is interesting, isn't that how you have to be so careful about the words you choose in order to indicate, you know, what people can expect? I remember this from, from when I was primarily a scrapbooker, that it became very, like, um, contentious of a point do you know what I mean to say like well what is scrapbooking what is a scrapbooker like what is the expectation when you say you're a scrapbooker kind of thing Mm -hmm. what is it that people think that you're making or doing and I'm still a scrapbooker I still do my project life you know keep things uh there I'm amazed that you keep doing that (laughs) it's incredible it's a compulsion it's a compulsion I did it for a little bit and didn't 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 keep it up (laughs) yeah but you make memory I mean it's about memory keeping and it's beautiful it is it is. And it, like for me, it's just like it makes me feel like all the stupid photos in my phone and stuff like that makes sense, which I really like. Um, you said something at the near the beginning of our conversation, which I wrote down because I thought it was so interesting, which is you said business is the cost we pay for wanting to have a life in art. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm going to assume <laughs> that you were never particularly interested in having a business. It is the business is basically the byproduct of wanting to make the art. Is that a fair assumption? Do you know what? So yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> my husband, bless him, he's wonderful. His name is Ben. He's lovely, uh, and he has. <laughs> he always says. Um, I know that artists pay for, suffer for their work. I just didn't know that I had to as well. Um, but, but as he was, he was, uh, <laughs> he was mainly relating that back to, you know, when I, when, when I first started uh, or got back into it, I was spending a lot of money left, right and center on, on, um, on feeding my obsession for creating. And eventually he kind of said, you know, if you sold a few things, then you could, you know, buy some things. <laughs> so my first objective was I want to pay for my own supplies. I don't want to have to be beholden or make excuses to anyone as to why I'm buying these things. So and I laughed because you in your um, your uh, Instagram video today on self-care, you were saying, you know, these, these hobbies can be expensive. Um, but. I didn't want to have to justify it anymore. So that's kind of how it started. And then increasingly, um, then, you know, the, the goalposts, I suppose, shifted. Well, now I want to be able to pay for, you know, my market stalls. And uh, I want to be able to pay all the fees that are associated with that. And I want to use these applications maybe um, and being able to pay for that rather than having to justify it. And, of course, it's then I've become kind of more ambitious as I've gone along. Also, I want to be able to, now I've got to the point where, well, I, I, I want to be able to contribute financially and meaningful, meaningfully um, in our relationship um, and to support, help to support the family. Um, but yes, it didn't start off that way. It, when it started, it was just, I need to make, I need to make every day. How can I make <laughs> that a reality? <laughs> Although, I don't know about you, but the irony to me of having a creative business is that the business is 70% of my time. The, I, I, like, I feel like I create mm -hmm. less now that I have to make money off of it. Mm. Yes, yes. And I think that's what I mean by the business is the cost. Um, because, yeah, there's so much admin and there's so much mucking around with Etsy listings and um, or, 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 or <laughs> I like making the videos, but also all that video editing or trying to make it look OK on Instagram or um, social media. Oh. Uh, <laughs> my love hate relationship with social media. Um, you know, if it was just I think we started off with I just love to create and you just want to spend more time doing that. And as you say, as the business grows, there's less time uh, and and more masters to... You know, that's um, one of the things they used to, to say about... Um, <laughs> it's true, but they used to say about opening a retail store. They would say, if you love mm -hmm. something, open a retail store and you'll hate it. If you love pizza, open a pizzeria mm -hmm. and you'll hate it. If you love, you know, mm -hmm. stationery, open a stationery store and you'll hate stationery. Because the thing is... You have to love <laughs> stores to open a store, Yeah, you know? So it's mm -hmm. a funny thing. I, I think all, I recently, my university had a um, evening for entrepreneurs. And 
it was an interesting thing. There was kind of like a one-on-one meet and greet thing that you could do online, which was also a very interesting experience. And there was like, it was almost like going to speed dating for like, okay, so this, so long ago, not that long ago, (laughs) several years ago when I lived in New York, I went on a speed dating thing for young professionals. And every time I told somebody I was an artist, they were like, what are you doing here? And in fact, many of the very polite, lovely men said to me, do you make a living at that? To which several of them, I had to say in the rudest possible way, yes, and I'm sure I make more money than you do. How much do you make? Wow. Wow. Uh, a lot of dates, really? No. No, I did not. But it was like, and the thing is, if it had happened once, I'd be like, that guy's a jerk. You know? But it happened, like, multiple times. So that was really interesting. And so, again, like, at this entrepreneur thing, I also had the same feeling of, like, you know, I say I'm an artist, but, you know, I do – I am an entrepreneur. I run a business, you know, and this business happens because of that. I'm a solopreneur, the same as a a solo lawyer, the same as a, you know, anybody who does that kind of work, a solo consultant, a solo anything, a solo therapist. And it's so funny, though, that there is this idea out there of an artist as like, again, poor, starving, suffering, flighty, disorganized, like the whole mm-hmm. thing. But the fact of the matter is, and I and I love that you put this in your bio that you believe in daily practice, because art is a practice and the discipline that it takes mm-hmm. to make art every day is a real thing. And it isn't just like, you can't actually just do it when you feel like it. That's kind yeah. of a load of malarkey, like, because if you did it only when you felt like it, it would you'd never get it done. Right. I mean, I assume that you oh. have to create even when you're not feeling creative, even when you feel creatively blocked. Yep, absolutely. Which is why things like um, 100 day projects or monthly projects are great because it gives you maybe a bite size. Well, okay, maybe not in a hundred day project. <laughs> it's not bite size, <laughs> but a monthly one where you're just like, well, you know, fifteen minutes every day, and you just make sure you carve out that time. Um, it's fantastic. And what I find from those maybe fifteen minutes is that it then makes me want to do more. It 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 is really good at refueling. Um, I agree. It's a shocking saying, thing. I'm not very good at going. Okay, today. I, I'm just all day, nonstop creating. I'm not very good at that. I'm I'm, I'm better at um, carving out various times in my day. Um, but also being kind on myself. If I'm really not feeling it, mm. then sometimes it is okay to go, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go throw some heavy weights around because more often than not, or I'm going to go cook, I'll cook something yum. Um, because more often than not, I come back from something like that and it's just relieved the pressure and then I can maybe sit down and eat, but it's just doing a bit of doodling or uh, carving a very simple stamp or, um, you know, painting some pretty paper to then collage later. Um, that's still part of that daily practice. That's still something. The other thing is that as an artist, everything you do in life, everything you encounter can end up being fodder for your art or fuel for Mm -hmm. your art. Because one of the things about being an artist 
is that you are drawing on all that you are to produce whatever mm -hmm. your art is. Mm -hmm. So maybe that walk is part of fueling your art. Maybe cooking mm -hmm. is causing you to think certain things or discover certain things that later are going to appear somehow in your art. You know, I watched a yep, great absolutely. talk um, that some this guy gave and he so you the book seven uh what is it the seven of habits of highly effective people or something like that was very popular and he did a version of it which is the seven habits of um highly effective artists and one of the the seven things that he mentioned which i thought was interesting is he said rest and yeah. mm -hmm. i do think it's like anything a field needs to lay fallow and so for me, one of the, let's get back to the ADHD idea or the idea of doing many different things. One of the reasons I think I like having many different art forms is sort of in a conscious way. If I'm, if I don't carve stamps for like a month and instead I spend that month working in collage or in painting or in, you know, printmaking or what, you know, a different kind of printmaking or like gelatin printing or something. And then I come back, I actually find that I am a better carver because mm -hmm. something has happened in that fallow period in which my brain, my sensibility, my whatever, I have been able to sort of process it almost in the background and come back to that other thing. So it's not that I ever stop making art entirely, but like you were saying, it's like you go away and you do a different form of it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So you mentioned the 100 day project. Will you tell us a little bit about your 100 day project experience? <laughs> well, actually this year I failed. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Which is okay. It's the first time in uh, how many you, I did. Okay, so 2016, I did 100 days of watercolor. 2017, I did 100 days of birds. 2018, I did 100 days of faces. 2019, I did 100 days of printmaking. And this year, I did 100, 100 days of gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> I think I only got up to maybe 35. Wow. <laughs> it was uh, in lockdown and I was like, right, well, okay, we're going into lockdown. Um, everything sucks. <laughs> I need to have something that I feel good about every day. This will be, this will really make me be present and really thinking. Um, and I think I did, you know, um, I did a little bit of printmaking, a little bit of painting here and there, uh, a little bit of collage, um, you know, grateful for the French bread recipe that I was given by someone, grateful for my lungs, which are working right now, and hopefully they continue to work. I'm grateful for my daughter. I got to a point where I was like, no, I'm not grateful for anything right now. It's just everything <laughs> is hard. <laughs> And I just kind of, you know, one day led to two days, led to three days of me not doing anything. And I just thought, you know what, maybe this is just not happening for me. I'm, I was still creating. Um, I just couldn't, I just couldn't focus on that. So I thought, you know, well, you just have to rename have the project. To... <laughs> right? Now it's just 35 days, days of gratitude. Of <laughs> that was a month. <laughs> 
I'm up for the yeah. bit. <laughs> a month is great. You know, I, I think I just need that changed a hundred days of coping. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's actually a very good project. Um, I was going to say though, but I think of like part of the artist process really is what you did, which is realizing that sometimes you need to abandon ship. You know what I mean? Have you, haven't you ever had that experience? I know I have of like just carving and carving at something that you made a mistake and you're trying to fix it or endlessly trying to fix something. And at some point it's just like, ugh, just start again. Yep. Just abandon yep. ship. Move on. Move on. Yeah. Some, I mean, sometimes <laughs> it's good to paper. push. <laughs> it is. It's like, but it, that's like part of the journey and the growth, I think, of an artist is knowing when it's time to push and knowing when it's time to give up. It's And I liken it when people ask, like, how do you know? I liken it to an athlete, which is I I think it's really important to like that you're so in touch with your body when you're an athlete to know like that is an in injury. Don't push. Right. Mm -hmm. Or that is just tiredness. Go ahead and push. And if you don't know yeah. the difference, it's really dangerous. And I actually think it may not be quite as physically dire, do you know what I mean, when you're an artist, but it is important to be able to tell the difference between that is me being stubborn or this is me saying I'm not enjoying this at all and I just need to stop because art is supposed to be something mm. that I enjoy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I do think there is some, uh, I think it's important to be able to sometimes question it too, to say, why, why am I finding this so hard? I have a painting I'm working on at the moment, um, a, a large A2 size watercolour of some beautiful waratahs and a bird. And this is part of my grand, my grand plan to have like eight large watercolours for an exhibition next year. Well, this is my second one and I'm stuck on this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been stuck on it for for months now and each time I go to work on it it's fine when I'm working on it but if I step away from it for any time I'm so reluctant to go back to it that's so interesting and I've been I've been thinking what what is what is that about and I think what it's about is a little bit of perfectionism in my head going if you keep working on this you're going to ruin it, but it's mm. all equally. It's not finished. So, so how can you, how can you ruin an unfinished piece? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's my expectation. Sorry, no, you, no, you? I've always got multiple things. <laughs> so, is this so I don't know. I don't know something what it is that you're doing in an unusual way for you? No, a little bigger. Maybe it's 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 a lot bigger in terms of my watercolors than I've ever ever painted before. So maybe there's that element of, you know, there's a lot of time that's gone into it already. I don't know. I don't know what's really. Uh, I don't know I if think I'm. There's a I'm, lot of my expectation for it is at a certain level, and I'm worried I'm not going to achieve my expectation. So that's interesting. I think this also goes back to somewhat a little bit of what we talked about the Car of December thing, which is my desire to create artwork that is quote unquote like Instagram worthy. When I start thinking of I'm creating something for Instagram, 
the pressure is nerve wracking and the same as like you're making work for an exhibition like that becomes a thing you know what I mean as opposed to when you're in the studio just making art I mean I think you posted something recently where you said you weren't sure you know how it was going to go together and then it ended up coming together you know beautifully and it was sort of unplanned yeah yeah and I think sometimes for me like Though this is I probably have a love hate with social media that's similar to you, I would guess, which is I love social media. I think it's so interesting and inspiring. There are people like you that I never would have met. I never would have known about. I never would have had the chance to learn from and be inspired by without it. But the idea that like and I try really, really hard because I'm a teacher to lead by example and to post the stuff that I don't always love and to talk about my failures and to be honest about it. But it is hard it is so hard it's a demanding demanding mistress as uh social media because it is that sense of how do you are you curating yourself are you taking out are you just trying to post pretty pictures are you like you're saying trying to post your failures as well um i mean i'm pretty honest on instagram I don't ever go through my feed, for example, and and take out things I don't like or weren't popular. I don't I don't agree with that. Um, you know, most most people who see me, that's 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 how <laughs> that's how I roll, man. <laughs> I, I I am a bit all over the place, and that's but that's kind of me in my creative process, and my Instagram is a bit like that as well. So I do think it's a good reflection. Um, you know, I went to a that... um, class about Instagram once, and the woman running it told us that if you want to get more followers, if you have any post that gets less than a hundred likes in an hour, you need to put throw like throw it in the trash. <laughs> And I was like, what? Oh, ridiculous. Who has time for that, though? I know, not what, me. Are you supposed to be posting all the time? This is the thing. I don't <laughs> I don't understand. And also, I, I, I think people appreciate authenticity. I think they appreciate seeing the nuts and bolts and, and the good and the ugly. Um, and so that's why I'll say, look, today was just today was a crappy day I, <laughs> I wasn't feeling it <laughs> this is all you get from me today <laughs> but I think that's fair and it's a more realistic look at what it is to be an artist you know it isn't just like perfection every single time and so I think I've told this story before because it's one that I love but I used to work in the theater and I went to a talk by a very famous director named Ann Bogart and she ran a sort of alternative, very well-known alternative theater company. And one of the things she said is she's like, listen, you have to make a choice at some point. Either you can make uh, 10 pieces of work that are all totally fine, which is great. Or you can make nine pieces of shit and one absolutely mind-blowing, totally fantastic, like t- true genius level piece of work. Because the truth is, she said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's the essentially like when you swing for the moon, you know, you are going to miss a lot. And so you're going to fail a lot. But it is those, the moments when you succeed are better than anything that would have just been okay. And you really have to decide whether you're going to be 
if you're just going to be okay being in the middle or if you want to have those really high highs and those really low lows. Yeah, and I think that's why I say all the time that you, you've got to take you've got to take creative risks. You have to. I, I mean, I've said I've said yes to lots of things that scare me because I feel like you've got to, you've got to get out of your comfort zone in order for there to be growth. Um, so whether that's <laughs> a couple of years ago, I had a, a, one of my friends, her sister was getting married, and as part of the what she got wanted to give to all of her guests was a hand-painted portrait of them so she said could you do 50 portraits what and i said yes wow <laughs> um and so i created 50 portraits 50 watercolor portraits she gave sent me all these photos um some of them were great. Some of them weren't so great. I had to, had to. I, I felt like I did my very best with all of them. And she popped them all in frames and had them there waiting on the table when they, you know, for when they came for the reception after the wedding. And it was brilliant. And I got a lot better at doing portraits. And I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have got to that point if I hadn't said yes. And yeah, there was a very real possibility that I could have completely failed. <laughs> But I didn't, and I learned, and um, yeah, I think it's really important to say yes, uh, and I sometimes it won't necessarily work. Yeah, I think it's really important to say yes to there. I mean, in my personal life, even the year after I separated from my ex-husband, I called it my year of yes, and I just decided... Mm -hmm. Like, I would just say yes to things. If somebody said, hey, do you want to go to this weird whatever, I would say yes. If they said, do you want to, you know, try blah, blah, blah kind of food, I would say yes. If they wanted to, you know, and, and some of it was silly and some of it was not, but it was a great year of growth and one in which uh, I think I changed as a person and I think that uh, my artwork changed, my business evolved. Like, I think that is the year that the opportunity came up to work with uh, Brother and the Scan and Cut, which has been a huge part of my business. And it's probably something I would have yeah. said no to, you know, originally. And like, it's just, it's so interesting when you say yes, what can happen? And I love mm. the thing that you said and earlier today, which is you talked about being kind to yourself. And I actually mm. think sometimes that's about saying yes to yourself. Yeah, agreed. And what's interesting about that is the more you say yes and the more you grow is eventually you can get around to saying no. <laughs> <laughs> eventually you can come around to saying, you know what, I know that that, that particular project actually isn't necessarily going to be good for me or that that's going to send right now in this particular space. I can't do that. And it's okay <laughs> to say no, but sometimes you need to say yes in order to say no. Does that make any sense? Probably not. <laughs> no, it totally makes 100% because until you, until you say yes, you don't know whether or not something's going to be 
a problem. Like, I, I wonder if yeah. you would feel differently about the 50 watercolor portraits now, because maybe at the time it was helpful to you because you needed the practice, but now it would feel like a burden because you have the practice under your belt and you just, you know, that would be time that you would be giving up or who knows. Well, now I would price it accordingly. <laughs> Yes. yes. Now I would have more confidence in the way that I price it. Absolutely. <laughs> but look, I, I, I truly believe it's really interesting. Someone, t I, I saw a Venn diagram a little while ago uh, that in your life or in your career, there'll be certain things that um, will make you money. There are certain things that will bring you a bit more reputation or prestige. And uh, there are certain things that you will do just because you love them. And the best the best jobs or the best projects are where you can combine all three. Mm. And But sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just two of them or sometimes it's just one of them. You have to make that decision. But, all, all, you know, it's a nice way of thinking about it. But sometimes you go, you know what, I'm going to do this because it's going to be good for me. Maybe it's going to improve, you know, make me more proficient and that will be better for me over time for 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 my artistic practice um i'm going to do this one just because i absolutely love it it doesn't matter about the money it just, it just makes me feel good um and then other times you have to sell your soul a little bit <laughs> so i think you have to look at why you're feeling like saying no i mean if it's it requires me to spend time that i don't have or it requires me to travel and i have little children that's yeah. one kind of no. But if it's, I'm afraid of this, then you have to look more deeply into what is it you're afraid of and should you, is it something that you should go for anyway? I mean, I think you just have to examine why you have an instant no before you say no. So, you yeah. know, this actually led to this thing that I heard about the seven whys which is you should always ask yourself like if your answer is so if it's like i don't want to go to uh i don't want to do this job okay so you have to say so the first level of why why don't you want to do this job because it's going to take up a lot of time okay so why do you think it's going to take up a lot of time because when i look at the project i can see that it has you know da, 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 like that you just have to sort of keep digging into it until you find mm -hmm. what's at the center which i think is a really interesting idea of just pushing it further than just the surface. Also, I wanted to point out Catherine Hepburn said one of my favorite things of all time, one of my favorite quotes, which is she said, if you always do what you want, at least one person is happy. <laughs> and I, the thing that I love about that, besides the fact that it is absolutely and unequivocally true, um, is that I do think that if you make the art that you love if you do the stuff that you want you know uh it your audience will find you and i do believe that if you do what you want with um discipline and um all that kind of stuff that eventually do you know what i mean the money and all that kind of stuff will find you and i even will say rowan at the beginning of the podcast when we were talking about your business you mentioned that as you started going to different markets, like you more and more found the markets where people who were interested in your type of work, the audience was the right audience for you. And I think yeah. that comes back to like, you didn't try to make things to appeal to an existing, you know, market audience that sort of wasn't your people. It's like you waited until you found your people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, if I was trying to make something that, that appealed to other people all the time, um, it was, I don't know, I, it just wouldn't be authentic. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be, I mean, I think uh, people respond to me as they do to you because of, because of that honesty, um, because of that authenticity. Um, so, and I'm, I'm just not a very good liar. <laughs> Well, the other thing is, if you if you don't make work that you love, how do you know when it's good? It's all sort of scattershot hit or miss because you're trusting somebody else's opinion instead of your own. I remember there there was a um, there was a big scrapbooking manufacturer that I used to have a relationship with. And I remember talking to the owners of that company and they didn't understand why certain things they made were huge hits because they felt like ev- they felt the same about everything that they did and they couldn't distinguish between what the hits and the misses were so they i think over time kept just trying to go towards what the market is doing and their brand sort of devolved because of that you know if you don't have a core and a sense of who you are and you just keep chasing it's a little bit like uh, I mean, like in a romantic relationship, being somebody who changes yourself for every person that you date instead of like being a person mm-hmm. and waiting for the person who's the right fit to fit with you. Yeah. Many, um, many yeah. years ago, my brother, who I like to say is not very wise, said something that is very wise, <laughs> which is um, he uh, was talking to an ex-girlfriend or somebody who was his girlfriend at the time who soon became an ex-girlfriend. Um, and she said something along the lines of, I'm a great catch. And he said, I know that. But the question is, are we a good match? And despite its rhyminess, I think that that's, <laughs> you know, actually a really, really great. true thing, right? Which is you, you can be the juiciest yeah. peach in the bowl and someone walks in and they just don't like peaches and there's nothing you can do yeah. about that. Yeah. So yeah. why fight it? I mean, I've had, certainly had those moments where I've, you know, bemoaned, uh, uh, you know, with my, either with my mentors or with my husband and go, I just don't get it. You know, how come this person is 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 killing it, and why why aren't I killing it? And look, comparisons thief joy, right? You can't compare yourself to anyone else. You have to keep on keeping on. Do the stuff that makes you feel good, and people buy your joy, and and all the other cliches. But it's they're true. <laughs> Isn't that the funny thing? I mean, cliches exist because they are based in something really true. Yeah. It sadly looks like it's time for us to wrap up. I can't believe that we've been talking for an hour. But you didn't talk about uh, uh, Carve Oh, we didn't even really talk about Carve December. It's true. Differently we, this year. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, thank you for keeping us on the uh, straight and narrow. I should remember the, uh, why all of these things exist. Okay, so one of the things that's so exciting and one of the reasons um, that Rowan and I are finally meeting voice to voice here. Um, is that Rowan is one of the 10 amazing block printers, stamp carvers, whatever you want to call them, fantastic um, artist instructors who are participating in uh, the Carve December class, which will go up for sale on November 1st. It's very exciting. Rowan, do you want to talk a little bit about the lesson that you're teaching? I'm still kind of getting it together. <laughs> 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 I'm <talking. laughs> Nothing like a good 
deadline. <laughs> um, I am going to, my lesson is going to be about um, kind of little stamp sets and interchangeable stamps. Uh, I really like stamps that I can use with um, in multiple ways. So, um, or I, I don't know, I get on a bit of a roll sometimes with my stamp making. So I'll carve maybe one little pot in a pot plant and then go, oh, you know what I could do? another pot plant or I could do a flower that could go with that or a different pot shape or a different pot design so kind of looking at the design process and um and interchangeable stamp sets I'm really excited (laughs) I love those little faces that you recently posted that you said you didn't know what you were going to do with them but they were so cute I know well of course two of those I I would I carved those thinking, oh, maybe that could be part of my lesson. So they may find their way in. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, So I I think anyway, the class is going to be really exciting. The carvers are all amazing. And everybody in it is someone who I know because of Carve December, because they participated um, regularly, posted, commented on things, and they're just awesome. So it's a really diverse, interesting group of people. And I'm excited. So people can do Carve yeah, December and not take the class. Yes, the people class can is do. just an additional thing if you want to do it. It is. And it also is one of those things like, so there are 31 lessons, one for each day. You do not have to do the lessons in December. You have lifetime access to the class. So if you want to do the lessons one every week for 30 weeks, or if you want to do one every year for 30 years, you know, rock on. At my age, I don't think so. <laughs> but you can, the point is you can do it in any fashion that you want because you have lifetime access and you get these 31 lessons and they are about carving. They are about printing. They are about designing as Rowan's classes so that it's a one wide range of stuff and by bringing in these 10 printmakers um you're getting multiple different voices and points of view which i really really like um and different sort of uh points of view i think on the process of coming at these projects so um marta harvey who is also going to be doing a podcast soon she did a lesson on tessellations and I did a lesson on tessellations and I watched her video after I had recorded my video and I wrote to her and I was like, I am so stupid. Your way is way easier. Um, and it was, it was really interesting because we had this whole conversation that like you can get to the same result but using different methods. And that's one of the nice things about having a diversity of voices is that you get all those different process ideas, not just the outcomes. And sometimes in Carve December, all you see are the outcomes and you wonder how people got there. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are too. Rowan, if people are looking for you online, how can they find you? They can find me either on Instagram at little Rowan Redhead or uh, I have a website, www.littlerowanredhead.com. It's pretty easy. <laughs> easy little to remember. Rowan Redhead. Uh, and <laughs> Mom, I know that nobody can find you, but do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share? Well, I was actually thinking about the 35 days out of 100 of gratitude I'm going to be thinking about that for a while and seeing if I if I can manage to be grateful for something each day. Today I'm grateful for this podcast. 
which has got me thinking about a lot of different things. Um, they actually say you're healthier and happier if every day you can think of something that you're grateful for. So this is actually really interesting because it sort of dovetails back into the um, scrapbooking conversation we were having because one of the reasons I've been able to keep up with Project Life is because they 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 say and i think it's true that when that scrapbooking is a way of expressing your gratitude because you tend to write about things mm -hmm. like that are very positive in your life the things the happy events the moments are good and so that somehow when you look back at these books of your life and it's just filled with you know amazing happy things and when you start to focus like this week these are all the great things that happened it's sort of overwhelming mm -hmm. when you realize you know how much happy there is in your life so one of the reasons i'm still a scrapbooker is gratitude mm -hmm. but lord well, now, knows of course, i'm thinking i need to go back to it <laughs> <laughs> well nobody said own, it had to be 100 yeah, it, and I think, like, the thing is that's hard is, like, everybody has hit a pandemic wall. Lord knows, I've probably hit it a couple times where I've just wanted to be like, this is the worst. I hate everything and everyone. Let me sit on the floor and bang my head on the wall, you know? It's like, you just, it's hard. This is hard. It's hard to be yeah. in your house. But you got, but you got those baby smiles, so. Yes. That's, uh, that, that's pretty amazing, as opposed to my 11-year-old tantrum. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, Shirley. It's been such a blast um, and such, it's so wonderful finally to be able to talk to you after all these years. I feel like I know you, <laughs> but uh, it'd be lovely to meet you in person one day. I hope so. Someday I hope to make it back to Australia and I would love to connect with lots of people, including you. So thanks so much, Rowan. And I will see you in the Carve December classroom. I will certainly see you online. I, I assume this year doing some Carve December stamps and making magic happen. Oh, well. Pretty sure. <laughs> and as always, I'm pretty sure that uh, <laughs> yeah, that it was gonna happen. Yeah. So it's as always, you can find me at juliebalzer.com or on Instagram as Balzer Designs, and we'd love to hear from you. So please send us an email or leave a comment. And if you'd like to help the show, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or mention us on Facebook or Instagram. That helps other people find the show. So thanks so much for listening and for subscribing. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. <laughs>